Good morning. As many of you know, Mike is away in Colorado. Adam is sick this morning, and Cody McCoy didn't answer his phone fast enough, so I will be preaching the word to you this morning. Uh, If you're not already there, grab a copy of God's Word and turn to Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, and I'll be there with you in just a minute. So, uh, as many of you remember, about uh, three or four weeks ago, Adam gave a sermon on the Beatitudes of Revelation, seven blessed statements that were in the book of Revelation. Much similar to the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus stood up and, and to begin his sermon, he gave nine blessed statements. Well, there are seven blessed statements throughout the book of Revelation. And uh, I thought that was wonderful. I thought that was so great. Mike really didn't expound on any of those blessings. He showed the, the correlations between some of them. And it was a wonderful sermon. And so what I did was I, I took a few of those points. And last Sunday, I preached at Ackerley morning and evening. And I, I gave those seven blessed statements and kind of took some things that we could learn from them, took some things that we could apply in our own lives. And so that's what I'm going to be doing this morning. Um, we're not going to cover all seven. Don't worry about it. This is only a two-point sermon. Don't get too excited. I've got six sub-points. So the first blessed statement that I want to talk about this morning is Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. If you already have your uh, Bible open there, I'll read it with you. It says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. First thing that I want to talk about this morning is it says, Blessed is the one who reads the words of this book. Have you ever just thought and stopped and just just realized what a blessed privilege it is that we have the Word of God? What a blessing and what a privilege it is that we have this Word of God sitting here today. And have you ever just stopped and pondered how in the world did the Word of God, the, the, the words that were in the very mind of God, get from His mind all the way from eternity to sit right here on a podium in Westside Church of Christ this morning in Midland, Texas. Have you ever just thought about that? How, how much work goes into that? It's hard enough to write a book, let alone to write a book that, that has very few flaws, but a book that's perfect? A perfect and complete book written by dozens of authors over thousands of years having one message? How much of a blessing and a privilege it is to be able to reap the benefits from the work that God and the Spirit and Jesus and all of the writers put into writing this book. What a privilege it is. But also, blessed is he who reads. Blessed is he who reads. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of God. Blessed is the man who studies to make himself approved. The more I study, the more that I read about the God that wrote this book, the more I come to know him, the more that I have a faith that I can live by, that it would be very hard for us as Christians to not study diligently to know God. And how hard would it be if we do not know God to go to be in heaven with Him if we don't know who He is before we get there? 
Blessed is he who reads. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 32. Can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. And I'll stand here this morning before you and admit that I've been in a slump myself. It's, it's the holidays, isn't it? I mean, we, we just had Christmas and, and people are traveling. I've, I had like three or four Christmases that I had to go to with, with family. I've got two kids and a full-time job and I, I've been in a slump, as probably many of you have as well. And to my shame, I admit that this morning. And thank goodness that I was able to preach this past Sunday. It kind of pulled me back up out of it and got me back in the rhythm, got me back to studying. But how many days have I allowed myself to go and just forget about the Word of God? Just to forget Him entirely. And it's not enough to just read. We've got to study God's Word, to seek to know Him, study it with purpose. Seeking to have fellowship with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Obviously we have fellowship by being in Christ. But how will you have fellowship with a God that you don't know? And how are you going to know unless you read God's Word? Blessed, blessed is the man who reads the Word of God. Second point, blessed is the man who hears. Blessed is the man who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy in this book. There is a big difference, and it's sad to say, between hearing and listening. There's a story of a preacher who was preaching in a congregation, and there was a man in the congregation there that was living in sin living in blatant sin, would not give up of that lifestyle that he had. Men had worked with him, people had talked to him, and he would not give up that lifestyle, kind of living in ignorance, coming in and out every Sunday and not really, not really ever knowing or thinking to change. He was just coming in, listening to the sermon, and then going home. Um, that preacher finally decided, like, enough is enough. I am going to make a sermon for this guy. I'm going to make a sermon, and I'm basically going to preach directly to him, and, and today's the day. I'm going, to, I'm going to touch his heart, prick his heart, and I'm going to, I want him to repent today. And so he did. He, he built this sermon, and then as Jerry Clower would say, he waxed eloquence. He shuck the corn down. And then after the sermon that morning, the man came up to him, finally shook his hand, said, good sermon, preacher, and just left and went home. And that was it. Human beings, mankind, has the ability to listen and to not truly hear. And that applies to each and every one of us. And even a person who's aware of that fact still has to work on that themselves. If you ever find yourself sitting and listening to a sermon, and then you're sitting there listening to whatever Mike or Adam or anybody has to say, and the only thing you can think of is other people. You think, oh man, I got a family member that I wish I wish she was here to hear this, you know, or you know, I've got a brother sitting over there. I'm glad that he's here. I get to pick on him a little bit. I got a brother that you know. I wish he was here to hear this. What about you? Don't ever let yourself get to the point where you're not evaluating yourself every time you hear the word of God preached. Don't let yourself be thinking of other people, but think of yourself. Don't become a listener. Become a hearer. You know, I had to get there at some point. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through 12. Concerning him, we have much to say, 
And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. You have become dull of hearing, kind of suggesting that at one point you were sharp. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. Don't let yourself become dull. Stay sharp. Stay awake. Apply anything you hear about God's Word to yourself. And it says that you ought to have been teachers by now. Some, one of the saddest things that I've ever heard from a Christian is the statement, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to, to get to heaven. And I would agree with that, actually. I would agree with that. God's Word is so simple that even a child can understand salvation. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful that we serve a God who gave us this book that a child can understand what it takes to be saved, and yet the smartest man in the world can never exhaust this book? Isn't that wild how that God was able to make this book like that? And And yet, what more of a pursuit would it be as a Christian to try to be a Bible scholar? I would love to be considered a Bible scholar. I don't know that I have the intelligence or the the capabilities of being there, but what a greater pursuit for me to do in this life of to know deeply the Word of God and wear it like another layer of skin to live by that faith. And that reminds me of a verse that's one of my favorite verses, Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4, but the righteous shall live by faith. I love that verse. It's echoed three more times throughout the New Testament. Anytime a verse is echoed throughout the New Testament, you might want to pay just a little bit closer attention to it. And when I was an immature Christian, a Christian who was not as well read, the the idea of of living by faith was very foreign to me. I I didn't understand what that meant. It's like, you mean to tell me that you're going to live by belief? Well, it's so much deeper than that. When the righteous man can live by faith... He has a faith that is strong enough that permeates literally every decision he makes. Everything you do through the day, you're looking for an opportunity to pray. Seeking an opportunity to pray. Isn't that such a foreign thought? You know, usually as human beings, we're trying to set aside a time. It's like, all right, January 1st, I'm going to pray every morning. You know what I mean? I'm going I'm to I'm find my place of prayer. I'm going to start praying. But what a faith it would be if we could constantly be seeking for an opportunity to pray throughout the day. What a faith it would be if we were always looking for somebody to to talk to them about the church, about God's will, about Jesus. That's a faith you live by, that every decision you make is permeated and seen through that looking glass of that strong faith that you have from knowing God's word. Don't become dull in hearing. Stay sharp. And then lastly... On this verse, blessed is the one who heeds. Blessed is the man who reads. Blessed is the man who hears. And blessed is the man who heeds the prophecy in this book. And again, you probably guessed where I was going. James chapter 1 verse 22, But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. It's a great verse. I love that verse. It's a verse we always go to when we talk about don't just listen to the Word of God, but you know, actually do something in your life about it. But have you ever really studied the next two verses? I, I love them. Verse 23 and 24. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Again, I say, 
it's sad, and I'm guilty of it just as much as anybody else, but human beings, mankind, has the ability to walk through those doors every Sunday, listen to a sermon, maybe think about themselves a little bit. It's like, well, maybe I should be a little bit better of a person. But then that person, we all have the ability to forget exactly what we were thinking about, walk back through those doors, and just keep right on living the life that we were living. That's not how you grow. That's not how you mature. That's not how you strengthen faith. That has become somebody who does not heed the words of God. Don't allow yourself to become somebody who can hear and listen and never actually heed or act upon any of the things that we learn in in Scripture. Now these three blessings are not three separate blessings. It is not blessed is is this man who, who reads, blessed is this man who hears, and blessed is this man who heeds. It is three blessings of one Christian. The complete Christian hears, or I'm sorry, reads, hears, and heeds God's word to strengthen his faith and give him a faith that he can live by. And then lastly, in that verse, it says, it sums it up by saying, for the time is near. Now you can study that verse, and when John said it in John chapter 1, verse 3, more than likely he's speaking of some of the prophecies that were coming true in that book, but could also be speaking of the second coming of Jesus Christ. But when we apply that to ourselves, for the time is near, it's a mindset we live by. We don't live as Christians thinking that death is not just around the corner. That's not how we live as Christians. We live as Christians as death hovers hovers over us. That's how we live as Christians. The time is near. I love the verse when Jesus said, You fool, your soul is required of you this night. It's scary to think that death could be just right around the corner. Jesus, The second coming could be just around the corner. I may not make it through the sermon before Jesus comes again. That's how a Christian lives, is knowing that the time is near. It's a mindset that you have, that you always try to live your life right. All right, second verse, second point. Turn to Revelation chapter 14 and verse 13. Revelation 14, 13, it says, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds Follow with them. What a blessing it is to die in the Lord. What a blessing it is to die in the Lord, to have your fate or you have your fate sealed until the judgment day. What a wonderful blessing that is. And before I expand on that just a little bit more, I want to pull a couple of, of implications out of this out of this text. The first implication is that. A Christian who is faithful, who dies in the Lord, will have deeds. A Christian who dies and is faithful in the Lord and dies in the Lord will have deeds that follow with them. It's implied in the text. And it's something we don't like to think about very often, but our works are an aspect of our salvation. James chapter 2 verse 24 says, You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now I understand, and I'm going to go ahead and read the the verse that contradicts it. It says, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one should boast. How is it that we have the perfect and complete, flawless book of God, and yet those two verses can exist with with each other in Scripture? And it is because 
works is not a foundation of our salvation. It's not the founding principle of it. Grace, mercy, the very gift of God, the blood of Christ, the cross, these are things that are foundation, foundation principles of salvation. But works is an aspect of it. Our works will be taken into account on the judgment day. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, And if you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each man's work. And also 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Our deeds follow with us. In two ways they follow with us. First of all, our physical work will stay behind. Think of great, faithful Christian families that have raised generations of Christians and sometimes from one man. Sometimes it's a new convert to Christ and that he raised faithful children, they raised faithful children, and then before you know it, there's 50, 60 people of a faithful Christian family that have raised their kids to be in Christ. What a wonderful work that is. What a blessing that is to have families that, that will do that. Those deeds follow with you. But our deeds will also follow with us on the judgment day. And so the question that you have to ask yourself, and the question that I ask myself, the fingers pointed right back at me, does Justin Bell work for God, work for the church, as if my salvation depended upon it? Do I work for God as if my salvation depended on it? It's something that I struggle with and I work for constantly. Because I get busy just like everybody else does. And I have to always be thinking of more things that I can do. It's a part of growth, I understand. But what are you doing for God as if your salvation depended upon it? Another thing that I want to take from this scripture that's implied It says that the faithful in the Lord will rest from their labors. What kind of work does it take to rest from labors? Now, I'm going to go ahead and admit it this morning. I'm a pumper in the oil field. I can already see a few people snickering at me out there. It's not the hardest job in the world. It's a hard day if I have to unroll my window. I will say that. But that's that's not the type of work I need rest from. It's tough work, don't get me wrong, it's a good job, it needs to be done, but I don't need to rest from it. Think about roustabout crews, think about rig hands, think about guys that are building miles of fence, the guy that's on the tractor in the middle of the night, uh, stripping cotton. That's the kind of work you need rest from, that's hard work, isn't it? Well, think about our Christian lives. It says... In Revelation 14, 13, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. Are you doing work that, you, that requires rest? Are you doing work for God, work in your own personal spiritual life? Are you doing work for the kingdom that requires rest? It's a question we all have to ask ourselves. It's a question I have to ask myself constantly. But the main thrust of the passage is, Blessed are those who die in the Lord. What a wonderful, wonderful thing it is to see a faithful Christian live and stay faithful, live for Christ all the way to the very end. Matthew ten twenty two, And you will be hated by all on account of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. 
It's the one who remains faithful to the end. What a blessing it is to see a Christian die in the Lord, that they may rest from their labors, to have their fate sealed from there to the judgment day. It's a concept that we don't like to think about very much. And that is to go and, I'm saying that we don't like to think about, I'm saying that we we may not think about it very much. Because I know I don't think about it that much either. Is just the fact that to someday I am going to be dead and I'm, I want to see my Lord. It's kind of a morbid thought. To think, to think that I will die at some point in time and I'm going to go, on to go see my Lord. And I love the way that Paul puts it, and I don't have the verses in front of me to quote them. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, and Philippians chapter 1, verse 23. Both verses, Paul speaks of wanting to be absent to go be with his Lord. Just longing to be absent to go be with his Lord. Basically, you can paraphrase it, and again, it's kind of a morbid way to say it, but Paul kind of wanted to die to go see Jesus, didn't he? He wanted to die. What a faith it is to live by that Paul had to want to die and to go be with his Lord. And there are some days where I think about that. It would crush, my, it would crush me to no end to leave behind Jackie and Katie and Hannah to know that they won't have any support. Obviously, the, the congregation here would more than be more than willing to take care of them. But I don't want to leave them. But at the same time, there is a part inside of me that just wishes sometimes I could just go be with my Lord. When that day comes, what a wonderful and blessing thing that it's going to be to go be with my Jesus. Now, as I conclude this morning... There's only one way to be with the Lord. And it's through the waters of baptism. To be in Christ means that you have been buried in likeness in the waters of baptism as Jesus was. And that you come up out of the waters of baptism to be made new. That just as Jesus was not left in the tomb, that we can have resurrection. That's how you can remain faithful and that's how you can die in the Lord. And when you see the gospel promise of God and how the gospel came to fruition, and then you see the climax of that gospel as Jesus hung on the cross, it only makes sense that we mimic that climax in the waters of baptism. And so I plead with anybody here this morning, if you have not been immersed in the waters of baptism, please don't leave this building. There will be an opportunity for you to come forward here in just a second. You can come forward. The elders will meet with you, talk with you. Please don't leave this building until you've made your soul right with God. And if it happens to be that anybody here has not been laboring, working, living their lives right, doing the things that they need to do to be a faithful Christian, as Jesus said, to remain faithful unto death. If you haven't been a faithful Christian... I again plead with you to not leave the building until you've also made your soul right with God. Prayer is a powerful thing, especially when you have an entire congregation of people praying for you. They'll uplift you and they will help you and get your soul back on the right path. If you have any need, please come forward as we stand and sing.